You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. The primary importance of today's message lies in the application. So hopefully as you hear what's being said, which I want to try and be short on message, so there's long, shorter on message, longer on application. As you hear what's being said, it'll penetrate our minds, our hearts, and our wills, and we'll respond to the application. So last week's text, we always start out with this brief review. Last week's text was Acts 1 through 13, was a study of, I'm sorry, Last week's title was a study of prayer in the book of Acts up through, verse, up through chapter 13. The title was that, a study of prayer, and it was a brief review. In Acts 13, there was a group of leaders in the church at Antioch, and they were praying together. That was their practice. That was their habit. The leadership of the church prayed together. And if you were here last week, you heard the challenge to leadership. Our primary work is prayer. Leaders, did you get that? Are you listening? You don't want to miss that. On one of these occasions when the leaders were praying together, something special happened. The Holy Spirit broke in. That's always neat when that happens, amen? Art wasn't able to be here today. I need you to fill in the amen corner for me. The Holy Spirit broke into their prayer meeting, and the last leg of the Great Commission was launched. Out of that prayer meeting in the church at Antioch, the gospel would now be taken to the ends of the earth. It fulfilled Jesus' Great Commission, his final words to his disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Don't get hung up on that word, witness. It simply means telling people about Jesus. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So, you know, the the early church, they had begun sharing the gospel. They had begun telling others about Jesus in Jerusalem. 3,000 got saved. Then 5,000 more. Then many more. Then even some of the religious leaders and the priests who were always after Jesus got saved in Jerusalem. Thank you. Persecution hit, though. Satan never lets that huge success of the church go unchallenged. You know that, right? He challenges success. He challenges when things are going right, when the church is on the move. Don't be surprised at the fire trial that has come upon you as though something strange were happening. So Satan challenged this success. Persecution hit. The believers were scattered. They began to travel northward towards and then through Judea and Samaria. But even as they went under that persecution, they continued to tell folks about Jesus. Revival actually broke out in Samaria and other places along the way. And they got all the way to Antioch, 
of Syria, where we are today in chapter 13. Many Gentiles were getting saved in this area. This wasn't Jewish population. This was Gentile population. Many Gentiles were getting saved, and they formed a church in Antioch. Now, in today's text, which we're going to move into, out of that church that they formed, out of a prayer meeting in the church in Antioch, which is in now present-day Turkey, that nation, the last leg of the Great Commission is launched to the ends of the earth. One other thing from last week, we looked at 1 Timothy chapter 2. I urge then that first of all, petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. This is good, and this pleases God. The main point of last week's message actually came from outside the book of Acts, over here in 1 Timothy chapter 2. In the context of 1 Timothy 2, this was written by the Apostle Paul to Timothy, who was the pastor at Ephesus, a vibrant New Testament church also located in Turkey. Turkey was the original hotbed of Christianity. And today our missionaries report 1% or 2% of the population are Christian. The rest are Muslim, mostly Muslim, Islam. But in this day, during Acts 13, there were seven, at least seven, there were many more, but there are seven notable, vibrant New Testament churches in in Turkey. Ephesus was one of them. Timothy was the pastor. And this is Paul's instruction to Timothy as the pastor of that vibrant church. This is his instructions for operation of the church, how the church should operate, and for ministry within the church, how the ministry should operate. Paul addressed Timothy, I urge you, urge you. It's, a, it's an intense Greek word. I urge you with with everything I have, I'm urging you, Timothy. First of all, in the church, you pray. We're basically doers. And I don't want us to, to stop being doers, but I do want us to become more prayers. We can do after we pray. Doubtful that we can do anything effective unless we pray, or until we pray. Paul's exhortation to Timothy. The church needs to be a praying church. First of all, means the first thing at the top of the list, first in importance and priority, as opposed to further down the list. It is to be the first thing of utmost importance, pray, prayer. In the church, there's to be no higher priority, and no, no higher priority in the ministries of the church than prayer, than praying, and especially praying together. We can do more than pray after we have prayed, but it's doubtful we can do anything effective until we have prayed. And notice the last line on the screen. The church that has set prayer as its number one priority is pleasing to God. Hopefully God is pleased with Columbia Christian Fellowship. That's the end of the review. The next slide begins today's message, and I want to be short on message so we have time for application. I only added a partial verse to last week's. Acts 13, 1 to 4 instead of 1 to 3. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. 
So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia, and they sailed from there to Cyprus. Today's message is last week's message plus one partial verse. And I have two questions for us to consider, and I hope they're kind of fun for us. The first one especially is just a fun speculation. Acts 13.2, the Holy Spirit said, here's my question for you and you can respond. Did you ever wonder how exactly did the Holy Spirit communicate to them? The Holy Spirit said, hold on one second, and there's no help from studying out the Greek word because I did. And all that word means is to say something. To speak words, words spoken, to communicate information or instruction through speech. That's what that word means. So this was a spoken message to the leaders, but how? Anybody have a thought? Change your mind? Okay, through their minds. Any other thoughts? How did the Holy Spirit speak to them? Angels, maybe. It says the Holy Spirit said, oh, through prayers. Good thought. Audible voice. Audible voice of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard the audible voice of the Holy Spirit? That's just a question. No right or wrong answer. Well, here's a theory. And it's a theory that's held by many Bible scholars, and at this point I'm embracing this theory as well. Many Bible scholars believe the Holy Spirit spoke prophetically through one or more of those gathered together in the prayer meeting. Now, if that's true, and I do believe it is, that's huge for the church. That's huge for us. I want to try and really get down into some nuts and bolts here. The Holy Spirit spoke, the Holy Spirit said, but he said prophetically through one or more of those gathered because he does speak to us through each other. The Holy Spirit gave someone or ones a prophetic word for Paul and Barnabas. Appoint Paul and Barnabas, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. Application for us. This is where I really want you to try and listen. Tenley, go sit with your grandmother. Or go out. This is important application for us. Often when believers are gathered together praying, the Holy Spirit will speak. I said often, but you probably could say all the time. When believers are gathered together praying, the Holy Spirit will speak. And often he will speak through one or more of those gathered. Two tips for us. First, when you are in a group that is gathered together praying, when you're praying with other people, be listening. Be listening to what others are praying for 
be listening to what others are saying. At the very least, you will hear what is on the Holy Spirit's heart, and he's praying through them. Are you with me in that? And not only that, you may hear a word from the Holy Spirit to you as someone else is praying. That's a word of personal instruction or encouragement or whatever for you. That the Holy Spirit speaks through us praying together. We say each week, Justin comes up here and he announces corporate prayer. And that's because corporate prayer is so vital to the life of the church. It's one of the primary ways the Holy Spirit communicates to the church. It's through the church praying together. Obviously through the word as well. But when the church gathers for prayer, the Holy Spirit speaks to the church. Second tip for us. When you are in a group that is gathered together praying... Be open to the fact, are you listening? That the Holy Spirit just may give you a word for someone in that group or the group as a whole. The Holy Spirit may give you something that he wants you to share with that group. A word of instruction or encouragement or whatever. If that happens, act on it. If you don't act on it for whatever reason, you will miss out on that rich experience of being used by the Holy Spirit in that capacity. Others will miss out on the instruction or the encouragement or whatever it was that God wanted to give the group through you. And that's if we're in the group and, we, and God gives us something and we don't act on it for whatever reason. And there's another terrible tragedy. We don't come out to pray together. So the Holy Spirit can't really speak to us as much as he would like to. If you're home and there's a group praying and he wanted to give you a word for the group, finish that thought. And please do not say, oh, God will just use someone else if I'm not there. Or God will use someone else if I don't do it. That may or may not happen. And if it doesn't happen, it's a tragedy. Much is lost. And only at the judgment seat of Christ will we see how much is really lost. Much has been lost because of our lack of understanding or commitment or whatever it is to corporate prayer. And it's not this church. It's the church. It's the church I was in before I came here. It's, it's endemic, endemic to the church. And of course it would be because what the Satan said attack more severely than anything else in the church. Prayer. Praying together. Because that's the one thing that threatens his kingdom and tears down his strongholds. It's academic now, of course. But what if this individual or individuals in Acts 13 would not have spoken up when the Holy Spirit said, set apart, said to somebody, through somebody, if we're right, I do believe we are, but... There's room for speculation. But if we're right and the Holy Spirit gave one of those guys the word, set apart Barnabas and Saul for me for the work I have for them, and what if he would say, oh, I'm not really sure that I'm supposed to say that? What will those other guys think about me? 
what if I'm wrong? Act on it. And I didn't want to go long, but I got to tell you my first experience with this. It was in a setting of about 85 other pastors, district conference, and I was in the back row, and we were worshiping. There was a guy leading with acoustic guitar and a guy singing. And I was sitting there, and I had this word come into my spirit so strongly. It said, stand up and say that if the Christian and Missionary Alliance will worship me, I will break out in your churches by my Holy Spirit. And I said, no way am I doing that. Did you ever try and continue to worship the Lord when you're in disobedience? It doesn't work. I kept slinking down further and further in my, in my well, we had chairs, no pews. Finally, I couldn't take it anymore. There was just a little break in the music, and I stood up, and I shouted at the top of my lungs the word that I had given, and then I sat back down. Not much changed. They just kept, oh, I forgot to tell you the, the most important part. So while I'm wrestling with whether I should say it or not, the guy who's, who's up there who's not playing guitar just starts saying to the, to the group from Ezekiel, he starts saying, son of man, prophesy the word I gave you to say. Son of man, prophesy the word I've given you to say. And every time, that's why I was slinking down. It was like this hammer coming on me. Son of man, prophesy the word that I've given you to say. So I stood up and I yelled it out, and then we went on. Not much happened. No, no big building didn't shake. But there were three guys who came up to me afterwards and said, thank you so much, I needed to hear that. And the guy who had been saying, son of man, prophesy the word I've given you to say, came up to me and said, thank you for being obedient. If God gives you a word, act on it. So what if you're not 100% correct? There's, there's room, there's margin for us, you know, there's margin for us to give words and not be 100% correct. And as the body, we will discern that together. And nobody's going to look down on you or scold you or anything like that. I would rather have you act on what was said. And if there needs to be some tweaking, we'll tweak it. If there needs to be some teaching, we'll teach it. That's better than not acting on it. All right, second fun question. It says down here, after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Is that what it says? The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed there from Cyprus. Sailed there to Cyprus. So next question for consideration. It says the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. And then it says they were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. So who actually sent them on their way? The church, the believers, or the Holy Spirit? Man, Scripture contradicts itself, doesn't it? So who actually sent them on their way? The answer, of course, is both. And what I believe God wants to see us today is the role... See, us to see today is the role of the church in his work. So that we, he blasts us out of this trap of, oh, God will do it. I got saved, I'm going to heaven, and now I'm just trying to be good. God will do all that stuff. God does it through the church. The Holy Spirit spoke through the believers gathered together praying. Through the believers. 
The Holy Spirit sent them on their way through the church, through the believers. The leaders had a part in that. They had to lay hands on them and send them, even though it was the Holy Spirit who sent them on their way. Please don't underestimate the importance of the church, of believers being used in accomplishing God's plans and purposes on earth. He designed the carrying out of his plans, his purposes, his will through the church, not apart from it. Don't be deceived by the thought that God will do it anyway. There's a good chance it won't get done. The principle for us here is that the church, the principle I want us to get as we get ready for the application is the church doesn't call folks into ministry. The leaders of the church didn't decide that Paul and Barnabas would be sent on a missionary journey. That was all God. That was all the Holy Spirit. God calls us into ministry. God puts ministry stirrings on our heart. And he does this through his Holy Spirit. The church's role is to affirm that call, bless the call, bless the individual. Most often through prayer and laying on of hands. The application today in a moment is going to be our elders are going to pray for us, any who, anyone here who is so inclined. But I want you to see one of our core values, our beliefs in this church under the area of, of service and ministry. Every believer has a place of service according to God's gifting and calling in the local church. We are to be servers, not sitters. So I want to give you some instructions for the prayer time. I see again we have a rather small crowd. That's been happening since we've been preaching on prayer. Here's the instructions, and please pay close attention to this. There's kind of three groups. You may be in one, or you may be in one or more of these groups. For those who are currently serving in a ministry in the church, we're going to invite you to come and have the elders affirm and pray over your calling and into your ministry. We're going to have the elders bless you in your calling to service and ministry. That's for those who are already serving, especially ministry heads. We want to affirm this call of God and pray over you. For others, whether you are in a ministry or not, some of us may be feeling stirrings to get involved in a ministry. We may be feeling stirrings from God to get involved in something. That's the second group. And the third group is we may be having stirrings from God to birth a ministry in the church, something that the church needs and we don't yet have, and God's putting it on your heart. Maybe you've been pushing that down. What I want to encourage you to do is come forward and just share with the elders and have them affirm or talk to you about it and pray over you and see what God may actually be saying. Does that make sense? Three groups. You're already in ministry. You're serving. You may be ahead of ministry. Definitely come up. You're in a ministry. You're, you're not the head of that ministry, but we want you to come up. You've been thinking about ministry, and you're not sure maybe to join an existing ministry or whether God's birthing something that we don't have yet, but he's going to do it through you. Come up. So let's have the elders form teams up front. How many elders do we have in here today? Just come and pair yourselves up, three or four, whatever we got. If all the elders are here, we should have four teams of two. 
Come as quickly as you can. We got four teams of two. Yep, great. Now, for those who are so inclined in the congregation, it's a small crowd. This should not really even take that long. Are we missing somebody? Ron, are you coming up? What, one, two, three, four. Where's Justin? All right. I'll stay up here until Justin comes in, but I was actually wanting to get prayed for. All right, here's the rest of the instructions. For those of you who are so inclined, and nobody is forced to do this, line up in the center aisle, move to one of the elder teams as they become available. The elders will then pray over you related to your ministry or whatever God's stirring in your heart, present or possible future ministry. Elders, if you guys want prayer, once your team doesn't have anybody, go to one of the other teams and you get prayer as well, because I know I want to be prayed for. Let's begin. Those who want to be prayed for, just come and line up. Maybe we'll just go with three teams of two. Okay. Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at blesscolumbia.org.